I am so excited for today's very special guest. I am here with my dear friend, Marsha, and I cannot wait to share her with you. Marsha has been a huge catalyst for me on my journey in finding my voice, in really coming into the space of being seen and no longer hiding. And Marsha, I will never forget our time together during immersion for our master practitioner and our final circle. And like we were all sharing these very specific um, moments and experiences and like a catalyst for what can support us in moving the needle forward. And I remember sharing with you and I just started bawling. I'll never forget just how much of an impact you've made on my life. And I am just so beyond grateful for you and feel so blessed to share you with my beautiful community. So if you don't mind taking a moment to share who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there and just drop into your sacred truth. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much for having me here, Meg. Honestly, yeah, I have so many memories from our immersion and meeting in person. And it's such a beautiful thing because we spend so much time, especially in the last three years in this online space, meeting people like on screens. And then all of a sudden you get to meet in real life and it's like, oh, wow, like this is, it's just, it's fun. So that was an incredible experience. So thank you. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg and I am, I have to call myself a whole bunch of different things, but I would say an NLP trainer and storytelling trainer. I love stories and learning and helping people to shift the meaning of their stories and learn how to share that with the world. So whether it is podcasting, I've got two podcasts. It is books. I've been published seven times. And I feel this big calling for a solo book that's coming, another one. And, um, or whether it is the NLP tools and techniques and certification, everything boils down to really helping people to learn how to shift from being stuck in their story to learning the tools to change the story. And then taking it one step further, how do I share that story with the world? How do I like put a voice to my message? How can I share it in my best way, whether that is speaking, coaching, writing, or podcasting, the more we can stand up, show up in our true authentic voice, the more we can start to see that we're far more alike than different, that we don't have to believe that we are alone and that we actually all hold like resources, lessons, tools, experiences that can support the next person. So that's been a big part of the movement that I would love to be, continue to be a part of. Mm. So powerful. Like when I think of you, Marsha, I'm just like, you are this powerhouse. You, I, I know you have your experiences in this lifetime of, and what has got you from where you are to where you are today. But when I think of you, like you are this incredible powerhouse that just shows us what's possible. And so what I would love for you to do is just to share like how you got dropped into what you do today where you've come from, what was the catalyst to you really getting into this line of work that you do? Because let's be honest, like you have some huge freaking picture visions that are coming to fruition. Like you just inspire me on the daily. So I would love for you to share what has got you to where you came from 
to where you are today? Hmm, Thank you for asking that question. And yes, two things here. I do have big visions and they, if you are somebody who's listening and you have big visions, they can be very scary sometimes because it's like you are excited and it's like scary, excited, scary back and forth because you are feeling this pressure of bringing it to life. And if you're a person like me who has pushed her way through her life, I've really done a lot of it on my own. And I've learned over the last probably, I'm going to say seven, eight years of really allowing other people in and allowing people to support me and allowing myself to be seen. And that has taken more work than I could ever explain. So years ago, I was a registered kinesiologist. I was working in physical rehab and coaching people, you know, as they were coming out of life-changing injuries, sometimes people learning how to walk again. I didn't realize that I've actually been coaching for, you know, 28, 30 years, because when you're working with somebody who is literally trying to stand and walk again, you do have to work through a lot of limiting beliefs and fears that are there. So I didn't know that, but that's what I was doing. But I always felt this calling. I was supposed to do more. I just didn't know what it was. And I had a dream of writing a book. I had a dream of continuing to speak, but again, didn't know what the message was going to be about because I was living fairly straightforward, boring life is how I saw it. And then there came a time where we experienced teen substance abuse and it wasn't in the plan. It wasn't in the picture. It really, really does show that sometimes difficult things happen to good people all the time, right? They really do. And I, during that time, I had to become, I would say I I became a very different person. My way wasn't working. And it wasn't until I really started to dive into the work of Brene Brown and understanding what vulnerability was and understanding the armor. It was the armor that got me more than anything is that we carry around this like 20 ton shield of armor to protect us. Like I carried that armor everywhere and I fought for every single thing. Like I fought for, you know, I fought for people who needed the support. I fought for myself. I fought for limitations. Like I, I was just constantly fighting everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when teen substance abuse started in our home, that's who I became was like, this is the fighter. This is not going to happen. And so, yes, I did reach out for support and help and ask. And I was trying desperately to find a way out of our situation. And at the same time, I got used to carrying that armor and the armor protected me. So I thought, from, you know, at that time, our story was far more public than I thought it was. And this is the piece when we have these difficult shame stories, we think, well, no one knows what's happening. Well, they do. They, they people know. And we were very open to a lot of criticism and judgment. And I often say that I didn't have to think about what people were thinking. They had no problem telling us. They had no problem stopping us in the store. They had no problem coming up to our car, coming to our door and yelling at us for, you know, why aren't you doing something to fix your kids? Meanwhile, I was at a point of like trying every single thing I could find to do that. And all of that had to crumble in order for me to change. So I got to a point where I carried that armor for so long that I literally just became this turtle in a shell. The armor was a shell and I felt safe or protected from everyone. And I was very alone. I was very alone. 
very isolated and felt like it wasn't safe to let anyone in, to be honest, Mm -hmm. is what it felt like. I had to come to a space of just recognizing that I am all by myself and I still have this problem. So my way isn't working. I don't know what's going to work, but my way isn't working. Is I think we all have to come to a point in our life of recognizing that our way is not working. And if we want something different, we do have to do something different. So through a lot of counseling and support and, you know, groups, we went through parent groups to learn how to navigate this time and putting boundaries in place, really putting strict boundaries in place from even family. We had to, because it was just this time of what we were walking in, nobody could have even imagined And we had to do our best to take care of ourselves. And so that's what we did. And in doing that, and I remember this counseling session very specifically when I said, there's just nobody talking about difficult things in life. Mm -hmm. And this would be back in like 2014, 2015, when social media was very curated, right? It was very, very curated. Like, you know, your grid matched and everything was just, you would never dream of showing up and not having all of your shit together. And so I couldn't figure out where I fit in anywhere. And I started to do these Facebook lives. I would do them after hot yoga. So I went, I was like the complete opposite of curated. Like I just, I just, I felt like that's how I was supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And during this time, I started to work with our school and they had us come in and speak to parents a couple of times who were really struggling. And so my husband and I would go in and we would speak with parents. And during these times I could, I'd almost have this like out of body experience as I'm watching and thinking, I think this is going to be something. I don't know what, but I think that we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And we continued. And then from there, it became some small stages and collaborative books. I shared my story three times in books and the stages got bigger. And I felt this calling to do a solo book, which again, at that time, I would love to say everybody was on board, but they were not. I just felt this calling that it was, you need to do this book. And I continued through there. It was like all of these pieces that I did just continue to help me to share a message and get that message out into the world. I started a podcast and I just wanted to create a space, a safe space where people could share difficult stories so that we can help others to see that we're not alone. It was that counselor who said it to me when I said, there's nobody sharing difficult things. And she's like, I think that's because you're supposed to. And I remember oh. at the time thinking, that's ridiculous. Like, that is ridiculous. And that's interesting. Like it was like this piece of, hmm, that's interesting. What would that look like? And I'm so glad that I really had no idea what it was going to look like. I think this is a piece that's something I go back to for evidence at times when I don't know what's coming next and I don't know how to make things come to fruition and happen. And it's never on our timeline. And then I go back and think you had no idea what you were doing then and you still did it. So there's your proof. The business didn't come until after it didn't come until after. And I think that that's a massive blessing because I do think that we have to go first. We have to do the healing work on ourselves. And I didn't, again, I didn't understand that at all, but I'm so glad that I didn't understand it. I just knew that this was helping me to help myself to release some guilt, to release some shame 
to change the story, to help me to build a relationship with my kids again, to improve my marriage. Like all of these pieces had to come into place. And then over time between 2018 and 2019, I was hearing people say, but how do you share a difficult story? Mm-hmm. And it honestly took me a while to be honest. And I could all of a sudden I had this moment where I was like, oh, universe, I understand what you're doing. Like now I understand that this is part of it because I was connecting with so many people who had never lived my story, who had never had my experience. And I think that's a piece that we think we're only going to connect with people who have walked our walk. And that's not true. It's not true at all because as humans, we connect to emotions, we connect to experiences and that's what happened. And it became the most beautiful thing. And when I look back at it now, like literally 99% of everybody who's in my life now wasn't here like six, seven years ago. So it's a testament that I know it's scary to go first and to speak and use your voice and share your story. And it can bring the most beautiful people into your life. So that's something that I always go back and hold on to. Oh, so many golden nuggets here. So if we can backtrack for a moment, because Mm -hmm. speaking from personal experience, and I would imagine many of the listeners would agree That if we had people knocking on our doors, if we had people coming up to us in grocery stores, if we had people coming at us in all areas, at all angles of our life, accusing us and breaking us down and labeling and gossiping and all the things that come with that, like, how did you continue to show up specifically in those moments where I can imagine that it felt like your world was crumbling down because it was crumbling down within your home. Mm-hmm. It was crumbling down within your community. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you do that? Yeah. I, when I think back to it and there'll be times my husband and I will have a conversation. I'm like, wait, that was real. Like that was real. Like it just, we think back to it. Um, I know at the time I initially, a lot of my reaction was a lot of anger, a lot of rage, a lot of fighter. That's who I was. Um, I really, at that time, also started to do a lot of work on myself. My YouTube became my friend, literally became my friend. Um, Tony Robbins, his work really opened up doors for me because I really started to understand what state was and that my job was to help regulate my state. And that would mean like back then I'd have my little, I like my little phone in my pocket with my headphones and whenever my state would dip, I would put something back on. And I realized at that time that all I'm doing was just really changing my energy. I wasn't healing yet, but the thing is, is with our story, I was still living in a difficult situation, right? Like this was a very, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was a very traumatic, difficult situation that I can't even believe that we lived through some of the things that we did. And during that time, um, I, my kids were minors, so they were still here. You know, if it was my spouse, I can guarantee you, he would have been gone. He would have been gone in a heartbeat, but they were my kids and it's different when it's your kids and also they were minors. So we had to deal with issues in our house on a regular basis. And so 
I really worked on things to help to shift my state. If that was, that was one of the things I did on a continuous basis is, you know, what can I do to shift this? How can I respond differently? How can I handle this differently? I think in full transparency, it really did come down to having like one of the worst moments happen. And when you're dealing with addiction and substance abuse, I mean, you worry as a parent about two things. It's like losing them to suicide, losing them to an overdose. And unfortunately for us, both things, um, they both happened about four days apart and they both happened in our own home. And as awful as that is, that had to happen that way because I really had that moment. I remember that night as clear as a bell, so clear because that was a moment where I went, I'm not keeping anyone safe. I'm not changing anything. Like this is actually not even about me anymore. I can't do this. And that was a moment where I changed in a sense of like, no, this is not mine to own anymore. And I really started to understand what owning my choices was. I I, I don't want it to sound like it was an, an easy road because it wasn't, but that was one of the things was that moment was a real turning point. Other moments that really shifted was, again, understanding Brene Brown's work and the arena. I used to actually, I created this story in my head about the arena because it supported me and helped me in the sense that if you're not, and I still use this to this day, if you're not in the arena with me, and if you're like up in the 500 cheap seats and you're spitting down your advice at me, not interested, like I'm just not interested. I used to argue that all the time. Now I just don't bother. I'm not interested. If you are not even on the floor with me, like walking alongside with me, not interested. Like it's just not interested. And I remember having to say this to a family member who was very critical at the time. And it was just a case of, are you offering to come and live in my shoes so that I can maybe go somewhere and sleep for a week? Cause I went for probably my like really heightened two to three years with very little sleep. And if you're not offering to do that, I'm not interested in your advice. Like I'm just not interested. So I kept coming back to those words and boundaries also saved me during that time is like, I've really had to put those boundaries in place. So I remember specifically this person in the grocery store who was a very good friend of mine who just literally disappeared. And when I saw her and we came face to face and she looked at me and turned and went the other way. And at that time, I remember like going to my car and I said to, like, I called my husband and he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Because now it's clear. Like it's clear. It's, it's not it's not in my head. It is real. And it's her issue. And then this person who came to my house, Mm. um, the exact same thing. She was, she was hysterical screaming at us not doing enough. And I was like, you know what? I don't have it in me to do this right now. Like I don't need this. And then she started to cry and I am sharing this for a reason. And she started to cry. And I just looked at her and I'm like, why are you crying? Like, what what are you crying about? And I remember her saying, you don't know how hard it is to be your friend right now. Mm -hmm. And I remember all of a sudden was this, like when I'm in heightened moments, I've been in a lot of heightened traumatic moments in my life. I have this really weird clarity that steps in. And I remember looking at her and I said, you know what? I'm going to do you a favor. We're going to part ways and no hard feelings, but I don't need this right now. And 
through those moments and through all of that time, I was really able to start to understand that our stories scared the crap out of people. It really did scare the crap out of people. And if it could happen to people who were parenting, who were present, who were trying to do the best with their kids, then that was scary that it could happen to someone else. And so really everyone's projections was about the fear of, you know, that could be us and I don't want that. And I want to know what they're doing wrong so that I don't do it too. And this is really a human nature thing. So I really started to see that behavior for that and be able to separate and see it. So that allowed me to really put better boundaries in place and to separate it. The last Mm -hmm. thing I will say is, is that was actually very helpful. If you are concerned about somebody who's going to judge you and just so you know, everybody judges everyone. It's like, actually it's a thing. It happens. Um, (laughs) So just pretend that it's, it is real is that if you're concerned that someone's going to judge you, one of the best things you can do is find a way to start to throw something in the conversation to begin with. So when I shared, when I wrote my book, when she stopped asking why I was so proud of that book and I didn't know how to receive the exposure it was getting. It was actually almost stifling because I was getting messages and radio stations and TV. And there was, and it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This was just too much. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted to share their story with me. And I realized that I, I've been in those shoes, but I had a really hard time receiving that. So then during that time, when I started to get my courage again, and to speak up and share when people would say, what's your book about? I used to say, oh, it's just a story about a mom. And because I, I couldn't even say it. That's how I was afraid of somebody judging me. Mm. And I was like, oh, I shared my story as a mom dealing with teen substance abuse. And you'd see people's faces go, what would you say? Like, so there's no room for judgment because I've thrown it out in the beginning. And I can't tell you how freeing that is, that if you can start to learn to like throw those things out early, you'll be surprised that people don't judge you in the way that you think that they will. So throwing that stuff out there really does help as well. So those, I know there's a lot of answers there, but I just want to share all the different things that I did that did make a difference to help me to work through judgment. Wow. Incredible, Marsha, truly. Like I still, you share with me some things that are going on behind the scenes today. I'm like, I don't know if I could keep moving forward because like, I know all the things that have occurred in my life. I'm like, okay, I'm just building the muscle. I'm just building the muscle. But so often I go to that place of, I'm just going to throw in the towel. Like I'm just going to quit. And so in those moments where perhaps you want to throw in the towel and perhaps you wanted to quit and the external noise that you haven't invited in is becoming so loud. Like how have you been supporting yourself to continue to show up for your message, for your vision, for your story? Mm, Great question. Honestly, great question. And I appreciate you asking it that way, because again, I never, I will never come on and say that this is a cakewalk and it's easy and it's, I will never do that. That's, that's not how I ever desire to show up because when we do things like that, we are now telling others, like, if you can't do it this way, you're doing it wrong. And that's just not, that's not fair. So when you're, yes, we are still we still have so many different facets and things that go on in our life that we are navigating on a regular basis. And some days it's really hard. I'm not going to lie. There are some days I'm like, oh, this is too much. I just don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard. Mm -hmm. 
And then I stop, I look for evidence, I go back and I think who's in my life now because of the work I get to do. And maybe I do need better boundaries as you continue to grow and your message reaches, boundaries need to be more. So I'm putting more things in place. Um, When you talk about difficult stories, you can attract a lot of people who are living in a lot of trauma and they're not living at cause. Like we've learned this through NLP, being able to live at cause. This is really hard. And it's the very first step. I swear. I resented living at cause in the very beginning because I'm like, how can I live at cause? This is not my fault. Like I didn't do this. I didn't want this. And I didn't. And, but that's not what living at cause is. Living at cause is learning how to like take responsibility and own your own choices as you continue to move through. So all of those things have played a factor. I will say that when I have those moments now, I, my very first reaction most of the time is to go inward and withdraw. That's pretty much my first reaction is like, okay, Marsha, here we are back to, you know, strong girl, you got to figure this out yourself again. And that's just a habit that I had to learn from a young age, I had to learn and grow up really fast. And when I see that now, it's like, Ooh, how can I do the opposite? Like, how can I do the opposite? How can I reach out? And I put myself in containers and share and be vulnerable. And I will reach out. I've done it with you before where it's like, you know what? I actually, what do I say? I don't want to complain or I don't want to be a victim, but this is where I'm struggling. And it's like, even that I shouldn't, I like, I don't need to apologize for those feelings, but that's old behaviors. So I, I, when I have those moments, I'm far more compassionate. I still have a lot of work to do, but I'm far more compassionate than I ever used to be. And I listen to what I need. And sometimes that means I need time offline. I need space. I need to, you know what, curl up, have a nap. I need to watch a movie. I need to do things that help me to feel good. And I come back to that. I don't stay in that space because I know I always require some kind of movement. Like I feel better by moving myself and that might be dog walks. That might be exercise. Um, that's, it's a whole bunch of different things, but I, I listen, I tell you, there were so many years, most of my life, I never would even thought to ask like, what do you need today? Never would have thought that. And now it's like, what do you need today? There have been times I've canceled appointments. There have been times I've moved things. There have been times I'm like, you know what? I don't have it in me today. And I don't need to send a 10 minute apology. So it's like, those are so freeing. And I'm such a different person now because of it. That helps me to navigate when times are really tough. And then as I start to move and shift through that energy, I often come back to knowing that this vision is bigger than me. This story is bigger than me and it will help the people that it's meant to help. And whatever that's going to look like is how it's going to unfold. So I hope that answers your question, but it's navigating it on a daily basis. I would have never done that before. It would have been just like, this is what you have to do today. And now I listen so much better than I ever used to. And I use the tools that we have both learned through NLP to continue to support myself during those hard times. Yeah. Coaching yourself through it. One of, I mean, there's so much that I've learned through you over the years of being connected, but one that really stands out and I, I really sense it as you share this is learning to stand on your story as opposed to be in it. And if you could share that with our community 
what that is, what that looks like, what that feels like, and how has that supported you in moving from where you were to where you are and to where you're headed? Mm, Great question. I love this. So when we are going through difficult times, it's very normal to be a victim of our story, right? It's very normal. It's very normal. So please don't ever shame yourself if you're in that space, because again, very difficult things happen to good people all the time. Like it's just, it, it's life. And when you are growing up, you have this plan of what your life is going to look like. And that's not the case. I believe you get the experiences that you need to become the person that you're meant to become, even if you don't like them. And that's not necessarily what you wanted, but they do shape you. And so when I could look back and see it, I understood that I spent a lot of years being a victim. I was angry. I was a fighter. I was, I didn't love who I was, but I think that when I look back at it, those fighter strengths in me, the perfectionist, the one who pushed, the one who raised herself a lot of the time, they served me really well. They really did. They served me really well. They probably were the reason that I was able to get into university. The first of my family was able to graduate and do well through university. I'm sure if I were born in this time, I I, no doubt I had a learning disability. I no doubt, but that was never talked about then. And so those fighter skills in me that I learned because of necessity, they served me for so long and then they didn't right? Mm. And they didn't. Our strengths eventually become our weakness. And when I started to recognize that everything I was doing wasn't working and I take my little checklist to the counselor and they would look at it and say, yes, yes, yes. You've done all of the things. Yes, that's correct. And I'm like, but you're not listening. I still have the problem. I don't understand. And they're saying, but it's not yours to solve. And I'm like, but they're minors. How is that possible? And it wasn't, it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine to own, wasn't mine to carry. When I started to see that this was not mine to own, it wasn't mine to carry, that in order to live at cause, I had to own my own choices. I could choose how I responded. I could choose how I reacted. And actually the strongest thing that I could do was to take those strengths of being the fighter and let go of them and become Mm -hmm. the person who could surrender. And surrender, when you're a fighter and a perfectionist for your whole life, it's you could not be more opposite. Like that is completely opposite. And I used to judge surrender as quitting. And that's what I did until there was no other options left. And surrendering was something that I had to learn. And during that process, I started to understand that, wait, I wasn't a victim of my story anymore. And I wasn't in my story and stuck in my story. And so when you're stuck in your story, you are replaying it over and over. You are justifying it. You're explaining it. You're trying to, you know, give all the details because it makes it better. And I lived there for a really long time. And I can tell now when I have conversations with people within the first few minutes, I'm like, oh, they're in the story and they're in the story. And when you're in the story and you go to share that and talk with others, you're probably only going to attract more of that. And that's what I did for the longest time. I attracted more people who were like, ooh, they wanted to hear the story. They wanted to hear all the details. You know, let's have a bottle of wine and talk about it. And then I'm like, wait, I'm actually coping by drinking wine and bitching about my story, but nothing is changing. Mm-hmm. So that was in the story. It The thing is, is no change comes from that place. Some people will never leave that spot it's a lot of work to leave that spot. You're changing your identity completely, but some people will never leave it. 
And that's okay if you if you are not if you don't want to, but if you want to create change, it's going to require leaving that victim mindset and recognizing that what if you know my story happened for me? How could this, how did this shape me into the person that I am today? And that's when you start to shift to being on your story. And I like to say it like a platform, you're standing on it and you now all of a sudden, like you're standing over a hill and you're looking out and you have perspective and you can see that. I wouldn't be the person I am today without that experience. I wouldn't be doing any of the work I do today without that experience. Does it change the experience? No, but it allows me to not hold on to so much anger, resentment, frustration, you know, guilt, shame, which none of those emotions were serving me anyways. So learning how to do that it, it freed me and honestly freed me. I'm pretty sure I can say this, I think with full transparency, I'm not sure I would be here today if I hadn't learned how to shift from being that victim stuck in the story to where I am now. Because I know there were many moments where I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to watch this. I don't want to see this go down. And that was a shift. So shifting from being stuck in the story to being on the story, um, I would go as far as saying it saved my life. Mm. Oh my goodness. Own your choices, own your life. I am full body shivers over here and I'm sure everyone listening is as well. Oh, Marsha, you are a gift. So I feel I could speak forever with you. Um, So definitely going to have you back on, but I would love for you to share because you are completely dropped in. You are so dropped in. So as a result from where you were, where you are, and where you're headed, I would love for you to share the work that you do, what these big picture visions are, and how you can support those individuals in sharing their stories. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much. And yes, I felt very dropped in. This is the beautiful thing. Podcasting has allowed me to do that. Speaking has allowed me to drop into that space. And when I say dropped in for me, it's getting me out of my head. Like my head is not a safe space for me. It's not because I will, my subconscious mind will pull up all of the proof of things that haven't gone right when actually there's equally or more proof of things that have gone right. But that's not what I see when I go into my head. So this allows me to drop in, which I love. I am in a space right now where I feel like I've been going through such a major transition and transformation over the last two years. And it's uncomfortable as hell. I'm not going to lie. It really is. But I decided like you in 2020, I joined um, the, and, and joined and took my NLP practitioner. And it was the one thing I didn't know or understand why I needed it, but I felt really called to do the work without really even understanding what the work was. So that was an intuitive hit to take it. And it was the first thing that I took that supported me and my healing. And then now is coming into my business. So during those years that I talked about earlier on the show, I can say I pretty much just muscled my way through all of that. I I would say I muscled my way through it. And I don't think I really understood healing and how to change that story and how to like how to change the story in my body and what that looked like. And NLP has allowed me to do that. They've really it's really allowed me to go through that process of sharing that. So through the process, I decided to take my master practitioners with you last year. 
And then I felt the nudge to take my NLP trainers to create my own certification, which is like, it's such a, it's such a huge, big vision. And when you have those visions, again, they're exciting and they're scary and doubt comes up and all of these things come up. So you, I just continue to support myself as best as possible. So I have created a certification program called Outspoken, which I have so many reasons why I love that name, but it's called Outspoken. And it is really the tools of NLP, the six certifications, NLP practitioner, EFT, tapping, um, hypnosis, time techniques, life and success coaching to support people, whether they are already in business, um, just starting or already in business of how to hone practice, like use their voice with confidence and sharing their story and their message with them for themselves and with their clients through coaching, speaking, podcasting, and writing. And it is a five-month certification program that is starting in March. And this is what we are birthing. That's the big thing. And then I know I will be writing a solo book this year and bringing a few people along the writing journey with me, and as well as maybe some more collaborative books through our second podcast, Everybody Holds a Story. So writing, speaking, coaching, and showing others what is possible by changing their story. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, you are a powerhouse, powerhouse. And I, you, you just inspire me on the daily and I see such huge things for you. And, you know, you didn't mention something, so maybe I won't bring it up, but the publishing house as well, like, yeah, it's definitely, um, so it's going to look a little bit differently than a publishing house, which is good because um, publishing houses have had some, it's been some interesting experiences over the last couple of years. I'm not saying they're all bad, but we really, it's more about an agency to support people in writing their books and whether it's through collaborative writing or through solo book writing. And I believe that even the people who come through outspoken are, there's going to be some who want to write their story. And these are the tools I didn't know I needed that would have really shortened the learning curve for me a few years ago. And that's the piece of it. So they're, they're so supportive, especially as you are coming out into the world, sharing a vulnerable story. The reason outspoken is so, is so hits so close to home for me is that's what I was told constantly as a kid. You're so outspoken. It's too much, right? Too loud to all of these things. I was in the generation where like kids are to be seen and not heard. And I, man, I fought that nonstop. I just, I fought it nonstop. And I was always told it was too much, too outspoken. And I remember going to my parents when I was, I think, 10 years old, asking to be part of a public speaking competition. And they said, no, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, why can't I do that? And they're like, it's not safe. And it's interesting because even as a child, I could have went, ooh, speaking is not safe. And instead, I remember specifically saying, well, I want to, why can't I? And I did. And I won that regional and I went on to speak at another, like, and it's so funny when I look back at it because I fought my parents and I know they were trying to just keep me safe because it's scary being on stage, but that's not, wasn't my story. Even Mm. from a young age, that wasn't my story. So it's really that piece of, you know, we all have an outspoken message inside of us. And when we can learn to share that, 
I really believe we can all reach and make such a bigger impact and help others because we all have things we're holding on to that are not meant for us, right? Like once you find your way, I don't know the quote exactly, but when you find your way through a difficult door, you have two choices at the other side of that door. You can let it slam on the person behind you, or you could hold it open and show them mm-hmm. the way through. And I choose to hold it open and show them the way through. Mm-hmm. I love it, Marsha. I love it. And that's just goes to show that you are the embodiment of your work. Like it would have been easy for you to be in that story as opposed to being on that story. And here you are sharing your magic and medicine with the world. So for those that are listening, NLP has been a huge component of my life as well as Marsha's. I know for me personally with my, my one-on-ones and all, all the um, groups that I've led through masterminds and such, like people have experienced huge breakthroughs as a result from this work in NLP, timeline therapy, tapping, hypnotherapy, all the things, myself included. I know yourself included as well. And mm-hmm. so for those that are listening, I cannot recommend Marsha enough, like not only for the NLP component, because it is life-giving, it is life-giving. And as I shared, Marsha, you have been a huge catalyst in my growth, in my evolution, in me showing up and sharing my message and my magic and my medicine. So I cannot recommend Outspoken Enough. Like what an incredible opportunity. You guys, there's nothing else out there like this. There's NLP certifications, which are life-giving. But to be able to have a leader a trainer who is the embodiment of her work to show you and support you in sharing your story and sharing your message through books, through speaking, through podcasts, through whatever it might be like, this is a no brainer. So I highly recommend if you're feeling the call to say yes to Marsha Again, I can't say enough about you, Marsha. I just love you so much. And I have so much respect for you and just am so blessed to have you in my life. Okay. Wow. I'm receiving all of that and I'm so grateful. And I honestly, I mean, the gratitude goes both ways. It really does. I think this has been one of the most beautiful things, especially this past year, getting to meet you in person, getting to have that time together in um, the immersion that we were in, doing breakthrough days together, seeing the highs and the lows, right? We both got to see highs and lows. We both, It wasn't a cakewalk. You got any- to see Megan in her like, oh. <laughs> I did see a sign of Megan that I don't know if everybody gets to see. And it's like, ooh, okay, wow. And I, you know what? That's the beautiful thing. That's the beautiful thing about in-person like in, I mean, Zoom is wonderful. We've done incredible things with it. Like we really have. But when you get to be in those rooms with people, like that event was majorly transformational for mm. me as well. And I'm so grateful. The other thing I can say is, is that like find your people. When you put yourself in rooms and you put yourself in experiences, you will find your people because I don't care who you are. There are days you're going to have to borrow belief from somebody else. You're going to have to like lean in and ask for help. Um, I don't care who you are. If you're saying that's not real, that you're lying. Um, It's you need to find that. And you might not even know how much you need it until you get into that position and recognize that it's, it's, 
It's a need as that it can support you. And that is something you have done for me because there've been so many times, like I am, yes, I'm creating an NLP coaching certification. And yes, it's different from everything that I can find. So I don't have something to compare to. And when you're in that process of creating something new, it can be exciting and it can be full of doubt at the same time because it's brand new, right? It's brand new. So surround yourself with people who can encourage you and you can borrow belief from when you have those moments or when you have challenging things going on in your life. And I'm grateful that you have become that for me. So I receive it. I am very grateful and I'm so proud of you to see this podcast come to life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So for our listeners, how can they find you? What is the best space to connect with you and to learn more about you? And how can they learn more about Outspoken? Beautiful. Everything right now, the easiest way to find me is if you start typing Marsha Van W in Google, Google, social media, Facebook, like um, Instagram, you'll find all of that there. And it Outspoken is MarshaVanW.com forward slash Outspoken. And as well, all links and everything are on my solo podcast, um, Own Your Choices, Own Your Life, which we are just about celebrating episode 500. So, oh my goodness. When I first started years ago, again, this belief piece, I just want to share. I remember saying, I want to start a podcast. And I remember somebody saying to me, no one's going to share difficult stories. That's not going to happen. Like they're not going to come on. And I, I remember thinking, but I think I'm supposed to do this. And this is the thing there wasn't a lot of platforms to do this. And so I'm grateful to be part of it and to share that. And when I look back and I think at the people who said, that's ridiculous, nobody's going to be there. Again, we're just shy of episode 500. So I don't Mm. think that's true. (laughs) Be careful where you put your belief, right? Be very careful where you put your belief. And I do want to share this for people who are listening, that there are going to be times where you have those ideas that no one else sees and no one else gets. And they're not meant to. So don't let them not getting your idea mean that you're not supposed to do it because that's not what it means. Mm -hmm. It means like stretch yourself. If you really believe that it is meant for you, take that idea outside of yourself and imagine who can it support? Who can it help? What will it look like? And then surround yourself with people who you can borrow their belief so that when you have those moments, Because there's always going to be people who don't believe in you. You just get to choose what you listen to and what you don't. Mm. Wow. Mic drop right there. Oh, Marsha, you're such a gift. You're such a gift. Thank you for sharing your light with us and with the world and for showing us all what's possible Um, again, so blessed, so honored to have you in my life. And if you could leave with a message for those that are in a space where they feel like they're in the pressure cooker, they feel like life is just too much and they want to throw in the towel, whether it's literally or figuratively, like, what would you say to them? Mm. That if you're in that space, first off, don't try and do it alone. If you hear me say that and you say, okay, but I have reached out to people and you know, I'm not getting the support that I need, then ask yourself, like, can you, is there something you can do to shift from being in your story to on your story, right? Creating that even a tiny, tiny shift. 
And where can you start to reach out into spaces that will allow you to see what is possible? When I, again, when I think of the people that are in my life now, some of them I met in Facebook groups, some of them I met in like closed containers. There are people everywhere, right? 8 billion people on the planet. Your biggest supporters might be people you don't even know yet today. Like you don't know them yet today. I always say the people who can impact your life the most and the people that you're meant to impact, you might not even know as of today. Mm -hmm. So allow yourself to shift from out of your head for a little. Where can you reach out to get some support? And when you start to do that, you'll start to find that there are more and more people who are experiencing challenges and trauma and stories that they're not sharing either. Like they're not sharing either. So I really want to normalize this conversation that you can go through difficult things and you can do some incredible things in your life too, because all of those experiences are shaping you into who you are. You get to decide what you do with that. So please don't feel alone. Don't feel stuck in your story because you don't have to be, you don't have to be. Honestly, I know that sounds so light and easy, And I wish I would have seen it years ago. It took a while to navigate through. Reach out. There's so many resources available. There are so many networks that you can jump into. And someone somewhere is always praying for the solutions that you're holding on to. So true. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yes, it's, yeah, we need your magic and medicine in this world. So thank you, Marsha. Thank you for sharing your magic and medicine. I love you. So grateful for you. And we'll definitely be having you back on, on Dropped In. So thank you. Beautiful day. Thank you so much for dropping in with me today. If you loved this episode, I would be forever grateful if you rated and reviewed. And if you feel called to share it with your community on social media, please tag me so I can thank you personally. Until next time, I will see you on Dropped In.